0: Phil Mackey, Judd Zulgat There's a touch of madness around here Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN Now on Mackey and Judd
2: Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance
3: Alright, Dave Harrigan's got some questions for us Chris Singleton at the bottom of the hour Matthew Collar later It's Game Show Friday Having a good time here contemplating Judd Zolgad's fate on Monday during the Judd Zolgad Athlete Challenge,
1: Episode 3. I'm really excited to be on the bag for you, Judd I can't wait for this one. I think it'll be interesting. That's how I'll put it. I think it'll be interesting.
2: I don't have a feel for it. Like, I had a definite feel basketball was a waste of time. <laughs> Not for the rest of us. I had a definite feel that um, soccer would go... I wasn't surprised. In fact, I would say... As feeble as this might sound, soccer, I was I was pretty happy. I was not displeased completely. This one I've gotten. No, it could go fifteen to twenty shots. I don't think it, it could, could. Go
3: fifteen or twenty. Oh, sure could. I think after like oh, wait, wait, after wait, wait, like six or seven, wait. I think I think you would find some alternative way do to you, push the ball forward. Do you recall how collars like you can't
2: miss twenty seven consecutive three pointers? And I'm like, no, Matthew, you don't understand. Right, but this so is don't like, have, don't ever question my ability to question myself.
3: All I'm saying is that you could you could you could literally like just take a putter out and just tap the ball you know there's
1: there's no way it gets to 20 he mm. could also take the putter and swing in this yeah and, <laughs> and or i could no take way. or i could take the putter and drill the ball
2: way too hard <laughs> which i've done i i was at a putt putt course in florida uh 35 years ago and <laughs> uh, decided decided it would be fu- when you funny were 13? to 13 funny to yes and i decided to be funny to hit the ball as hard as possible and i just missed the guy and i was so thankful
3: well have, have you mini all? so you haven't golfed it. in 20 years have you mini golfed in the last 20 years oh yeah yeah we had a mini uh there uh where
2: my in-laws used to have a place in whalen minnesota there was a mini uh golf course a really really small one but there was one right down the street it's mini So
3: (laughs) it 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 was very, it was very, it it was like three holes. You've at least used a putter in the last one. Yes, yes. I just have not used a club and actually swung a club.
1: Is there a number in your head that if you hit, you'll be disappointed? No. Okay. It sounds like Jeff clear of expectations. No,
2: I have, um, I'll be incredibly pleasantly surprised. If I can do this in eight strokes or fewer, I'll be really surprised and pleased. But there's no... There's no above
1: that that's going to shock me. Okay. Put yourselves in the shoes and minds of Derek Falvey and Thad Levine as we make our way through the middle of July here. Trade deadline coming. The name Kyle Gibson has come up. Not so much as trade rumors, but just people thinking, hey, you know, there could be some steam there, Mm -hmm. some interest from potential playoff teams, looking at a guy who's had a great last calendar year or so. So... If you are running the twins and somebody comes calling on Gibby, what do you need to get back? Not necessarily player names, but just give me the type of players, prospects, whatever it is, what do you need to get back to deal Kyle Gibson? I need to
2: get back um, at least two prospects, one of which would with starting pitcher who's got time left and Theoretically, he's turned a corner. I need to get one of your, I'm not going to get a one or two. I need to get your three, your third best prospect. Wow. And I need to get probably someone else between uh, 10 and 15. Because if I trade him, I'm trading him on on the public opinion that he has now turned a corner and is a Mm -hmm. top three starter. Now, I might privately not think that. And in fact, there are things, there are reasons... There are, there's a compelling case to be made that privately you would think to yourself, this isn't necessarily a fluke, but I don't know if this is going to last. Uh, but I would need your your third best prospect and then a guy from 10 to 15 on your prospect. List. Yeah,
3: I, I think that the key is targeting a team that would use him and view him as a playoff rotation starter. So yes. someone who would, would would the Brewers look at him and say, oh yeah, he's our number three starter in a in a playoff series. You know, maybe the maybe there's other teams that wouldn't, but if you found that right team. And thus, they would value him on a different level than other teams, and they get him for next year. Um, and and the Twins probably think that they can contend for a playoff spot next year too. So why would you want to trade one of your best starting pitchers from a team that you think is going to go to the playoffs? Like all these things add up to. I would need two top ten organizational prospects from whatever team I'm talking to, and I would prefer a farm system that has some substance to it. Yeah, um, and the Brewers do. There's, I'd have to go look at farm system rankings, but I think two organizational top 10 prospects is where I would, I would go to. Because uh, it's two. you get two years of Kyle Gibson, or you get two stretch runs of Kyle Gibson. Can't believe we're saying
1: this about Kyle Gibson. That's, That's a very fair <laughs> ask, though. It's That's amazing. amazing. Yep. It's been a nice run for him. Let's talk about birthday bros. This is something that came up a couple weeks ago when you guys were out. It was Collar and Cronin filling in, yeah. and it was Collar's birthday. And he brought up the concept of birthday bros, people that were born on the same day that you share a birthday with. And we kind of went through our lists and who had the coolest list of birthday bros. And I'm celebrating number 34 today. My favorite athlete, uh, Spud Webb. He was born on July 13th. There's a couple others. Yachty (laughs) Molina, he shares one. I've also got some actors. I've got Harrison Ford. That's a pretty good one. Yours
3: is already way cooler than mine.
1: I've got that one. My favorite one, Julius Caesar. Wow. Born 100 B.C. Really? on July 13th. How do they know that? Were there birth certificates? Don't question it. He was born yeah, on July on. 13th. How let's know? play along with okay. it. Let's go with it. That's birthday. what it says. We'll humor him. Historians believe. That's what it's going with. So I want to know who are your favorite birthday bros and if you can decide who's got the cooler list.
3: Well, I, my, mine's not very cool. There's There's really five that stand out. There's a bunch. I, I went to uh, a couple websites just to find. There's a bunch of YouTube and Instagram stars oh, who were born. A ton of those. Oh yeah. Never heard of any of these. Great. Chicken McSara is one of them. <laughs> Chicken McSara was born. That's what the hell's a, Chicken McSara? That's a real thing. Chicken McSara. Wow. It was born on May 20th. What? Yeah. It's a real thing apparently. Okay. Uh, but the five that stood out, the athletes were Enos Cantor of the Knicks and Tony Stewart, the NASCAR driver. Oh okay, yeah. He's retired now, right? Yep. Uh, then the, the actor would be James Stewart. He was born like 1908 oh. or something. James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. And then the two musicians slash singers, Buster <laughs> Rhymes and Cher. So See, guess, that's not bad. So Cher, I guess, would be the most famous of anyone on this list. Yeah. Cher and Tony Stewart. I mean, <laughs> it's I don't names. think Cher is cool, but that's a cool one to have on your list. Yeah. I missed Kevin Garnett by one day. Oh. KG's
1: a May nineteenth Oh, you and have
2: been great for you.
1: Yeah. I learned today I missed Bill Cosby by one day, so I guess good on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's yeah. another. Yep. Another May twentieth Instagram star,
3: Austin McBroom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Is everybody Mick? Apparently Why? so. Can I've I? got iCrazyTeddy Teddy and the Burnt Chip. The Burnt Chip. Yes. Okay.
3: What? How about Dope Island Instagram <laughs> star born on May twentieth?
1: What's going on with this? Why are these people listed?
3: Well, because they, they're famous. Not to you or I, but they're famous to younger people I've who are on Instagram. I'm
2: looking at my list right now, and yeah, I've got the third-ranked person is someone named Carla Seri, Instagram star, and then YouTube oh, yeah. star. You now star? What the? What's you now? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. Okay, I, these people should come old. off this list. I mean, I don't care. I don't oh, know, but they're famous. To what? 12-year-olds? Okay, but so a 15- a to 20-year-old kid, like... Okay, Max, in all honesty, how old are you, 22, 21? I'm 21. 21. Do you know who James Stewart is? Jimmy Stewart? Only because of uh, Pride of the Yankees. Did he do Pride of the Yankees? Mm, I don't think that was Jimmy Stewart.
2: <sighs> I think that was another old-time famous actor. But, I mean, do you know who Carla Serra is? No. Instagram Okay. Um, okay. How, how about him? Pride of the
3: Yankees was Gary Cooper. Ah, shoot. He also did a. I love Charles how you just Lindbergh picked an thing. old movie. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, he did a uh, uh, Citizen Kane,
2: right? He uh, <laughs> Wizards of Oz, right? <laughs> Jimmy Stewart did the best movie of all time. Oh, shut <laughs> best up! Best Christmas film shut of up. all Shut That time. movie stinks. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, God. Mary! There you go, Mary. Yes, it's
1: wonderful. My grandma loves Burt that. Right? Ernie, don't oh. you know, you know me? what? Your grandma has no taste in movies. <laughs> no, don't you? Like oh, you? Oh, oh wow! wow. <laughs> Oh grandma, we're sorry. He's probably listening right now. Yes. I'm sorry, Wait, she probably terrible. The station. I'm not gonna i I'm not gonna stand off of that stance just because Grandma likes the movie. <laughs> Grandma's waiting for GL Wait. to start and putting up with his crap. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, hold on. Let's go back a minute. Did you confuse Max? Did you confuse yeah, Pride of the Yankees with yeah. It's a Wonderful Life? No, no, no. No, I didn't. I didn't. No, no, no. Not that. I just, I thought maybe Jimmy Stewart was Lou Gehrig. Maybe, possibly. I, I, I threw it out there. Did he have ate Lou Gehrig's disease? I don't, I, I don't know, honestly. No, he did Okay. Babe, babe. <laughs> so my point my point isn't to make fun of Max. My point is, I don't want to sit out today. I don't want to
2: sit out. Hey,
3: Wally Pep, you're in trouble, Wally Pup you'll never play again, never again. God. Oh, my God. You open up this Pandora's box. Somebody my did. my point is, Max is a younger generation, doesn't know, you know, yeah. same Jimmy Stewart isn't famous, Yeah. but it's possible that some of these Instagram or YouTube stars, who we have no idea who they are, connect with 18, 21-year-old kids. Yeah, some,
1: Anyone good on your list, Judd? Some guy named
2: Jinx, YouTube star, 25-year-old. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel on my list is the top one. Huh. That I am that I called up here for famous birthdays, November thirteenth. Whoopi Goldberg uh, is on my list. Gerard Butler shares my exact birthday. My oh, age. same year. Okay, same year, nineteen sixty nine. Um, Chris Noth of of course, L&O fame. My guy, <laughs> no Mike idea. Logan. Mike Logan. Oh, Chris Noth. Oh, he hmm. he was uh, Mister Big on the Sex in the City. Do you recall Mister Big? Carrie's boyfriend. I didn't watch a lot of Sex and okay. the City. No. Anyway, Chris Nolf. And mm. uh, my sports guy, though, this is my favorite one. And I did not realize this, I, I swear, until today. Ron Artest. Meta world yes. piece. Oh, a world. 38 years old. So he was, born, uh, he was born 10 years after me. So I share a basketball, I share a sports birthday with Ron Artest. Yeah. Oh, uh, Steve Zahn as well. Okay, a- actor who I think was born in the Twin Cities, if I'm not mistaken, he's a Minnesota guy. Yeah,
3: Steve's on. Like, here's a okay, here's a generational fame thing. We think so. Dave, Dave's 34 today. I'm 33. Judd, you're 47, 48, 48, 48, 48. And so you're a little bit different generation than me and Dave, and then Dave and I are, are 12, 13 years older than than Max. Um, so for us, TV equals famous, radio equals famous. These sort of traditional, and and now podcasting is a little bit getting into that category. But then there's this whole other category of Instagram or social media famous, and and these are these are two musicians, so they they also are famous because they put out music. But do you know who the most followed Instagram account is right now? One hundred thirty five million followers for this person. All right, Selena Gomez.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay, so you've heard of Selena? Gomez. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've heard? Of, have you heard of Ariana Grande? Yes. Yes. Yeah, One hundred eighteen just... million Instagram followers.
2: Didn't she, she just m- marry the guy from SNL? Engaged. I think they engaged. got engaged. Uh, oh, yeah. Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. Davidson yeah. That's yeah, been okay. a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: I'm all over that So stuff. the point is, like, we might think, oh, God. I, I mean, obviously Cher is more famous than than Ariana Grande, and that's not true at all today. Well, I just, I know, unless Cher has I just, 130 million Instagram followers.
2: <laughs> I draw the line a little bit, and I, I know that they have a following at things like YouTube star, though. Because, like, the, the names that you just broached are all all mainstream enough that they make the cover of, like, Star. Like, if you if you make a tabloid, odds are I know you. But, like, when we get to Instagram Star or YouTube Star or something, that's where I struggle with sure. it. Like, I've, I've got one here who shares my birthday. YouTube Star Osman Razik? Hmm. 17. No, 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 no idea. I'm man. sorry. You're not a star. <laughs> you right. might be a big deal to a bunch of kids, but you're not a star. <laughs> but
3: that's that's a <laughs> that, big deal. That doesn't qualify. <laughs> uh, expanded questions when we come back. And Chris Singleton, sit tight.
0: The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. No, no, now I, no, no. I need it now. Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> Mackie and Judd t- <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue. On 1500 ESPN. You like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? We'll talk to
3: Chris Singleton about the Twins and Major League Baseball. Get his thoughts on some things in about 10 minutes. All right, expanded questions. Dave Harrigan has a third question for us.
1: You guys went through all of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL earlier in the show and ranked them bottom to top. I want you each to revisit your lists if you could here for those that weren't listening. Start at number one, and just go down one by one until I tell you to stop. I don't care who goes first. All
3: right. I I had uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan.
1: Okay, that's good. Okay. Brady, Rodgers, Brees, Big Ben, Russell Wilson, Stafford. Stop. I hate both of your number sixes. (laughs) I've never been a Matt Ryan guy. Ever since I first heard the nickname Matty Ice, I tried to figure out how has he even earned a nickname, let alone one as dumb as Matty Ice. And then Matt Stafford, well, yeah, he's got some gaudy numbers, but there's the whole winning thing that he hasn't exactly been a large part of in Detroit. His fault or not, whatever it is, you're still the quarterback of the NFL team. So I would like you to specifically defend those choices and tell me why I am an idiot. So I don't think you're an idiot. Thank you. Because if
3: you look at my list here, there's a line. I don't know if you can see it. I have a a tier line. I see that, yes. And it's it's right after five.
1: And boom, there you got your second tier.
3: And so my my second tier goes six Matt Ryan all the way through twenty-two Andy Dalton. And I honestly, like, you could take six through twenty-two, shuffle them in almost any given order, and I wouldn't fight too hard. Like I I wouldn't put Dak Prescott sixth, but I wouldn't mind if you put Andrew Luck healthy six, or Alex Smith in the season he had last year, six, or Philip Rivers sixth, or Carson Wentz, sixth. Like I there's about ten guys on this list maybe even including peak Kirk cousins from a couple of years ago. I don't think he's sixth right now, but Kirk cousins from a couple of years ago. Okay. I like, I'm, I wouldn't fight you too much on that. So I'm not even going to really fight you on it. I, I, the, what I would say about Matt Ryan is he's just, he's reliable and you kind of know from year to year, you know, you know that you're not going to get a disaster. You're going to get 20 to 30 touchdowns, pretty high completion percentage. He's going to throw for like four or 5,000 yards. And, uh, and once in a while, he'll pop up and win the MVP award, like he did two years ago.
1: And if he's got all the pieces around him, lose a twenty-eight lead, three lead in the Super Bowl. Yep, that's <laughs> fine though. It's, it's number true. six.
3: Yeah, but if I put like if I put um, Cam Newton number six, that'd be absurd. If I, I'm trying to think of who the obvious number six choice would be, and that was part of the problem making this list. Like who Carson Wentz healthy is probably number 6. I I dinged him a spot because he's not healthy, and he's not going to start the season. Phillip Rivers, his arm continues to deteriorate a little bit. A couple bit, of years
2: ago, you right? might have put him 6, yeah. to be honest.
3: Andrew Luck should be 6, but the guy hasn't played in two years. It's, it's kind of hard. If I had, David, if
2: I had exchanged, so if I had gone um, 6 through 9, if I had gone Wentz, Ryan, Rivers, Stafford, would, would you have objected to Stafford at 9? Because I could easily see flipping those two without any problem. Because who's, my top, uh, my top five... top your 10 on the
1: list then? Uh, Garoppolo's my 10. Yeah, I think that's fine. Stafford
2: ahead of Garoppolo. So, because my one through five are ironclad. Now, I could flip them around slightly, because I, I could definitely put Brady second and Rogers first. But my one through five, I would fight to keep those guys top five. Uh, but when I go six through nine, I could easily go... Wentz, Ryan, River Stafford.
1: Both of the Without guys. I guess in my mind Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford are both eh, fringe top 10. Mm-hmm. You maybe they'll sneak in there some years. They'll probably be more like, you know, 10 to 12, maybe as low as 15 if things don't go though. They're not terrible. There's a, certainly not terrible quarterbacks, but I just see I just hear them both like, yeah, they're fine. I think the problem right. is you you're right, they are fringe top 10, but Everyone from
3: 6 to 22 is fringe top 10. Deshaun Watson, fringe top 10. He's got to prove it. He's coming off an injury. Sure. Actually, the guy the guy that I would, if I wasn't going to put Matt Ryan number 6, and I stand by it, but whatever, Alex Smith could be number 6 on this list. But Alex Smith isn't. But then not all of a sudden, if Alex Smith is number 6, he's one away from that Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson category, and Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady category. Uh, the most fun tier is. Can I ranked 33 quarterbacks because I put Nick Foles on the list? 23 through 33 is a is the the bottom tier here, and all those guys you call are that just like fun. Ryan Tannehill, Josh McCown, He's going to the dentist. Uh, Marcus Mariota taking a step back. Joe Flacco, Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky. So you but so if you take those guys out, you could make a case that 22 quarterbacks you would feel pretty good as your starter. And then, and then maybe there's a couple guys in that bottom tier that you're hoping, like a rookie, Pat Mahomes, maybe Mitch Trubisky. You should have put Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: on the list too. He'll be starting a few for the Bucks, right? He will be. He's a smart guy too, right? Maybe he's He's six. Harvard, 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 right? Really, really smart. Maybe he's number six. (laughs) How how many guys? (laughs) Fitzy.
2: (laughs) How many guys in your in after ten could you see easily if they have decent years being in your top ten come 2019, come July of next year?
3: How many guys outside my top 10? Outside your top 10 all right now. The, all of but the guys down see, to
2: 22. <laughs> I could see a, I could see Deshaun Watson for sure, Dak for sure, Cousins could, mm-hmm. Smith, Goff, um Carr. Newton, Carr? Newton, Newton probably not, Carr, yeah, Case Goff. Keenum, no, I don't see that. I could. If Case Hater. Keenum
3: if Case Keenum does the same thing he did last year, same numbers, same everything? he be in that conversation to be like if the 10th best quarterback if, in the NFL? If
2: Case Keenum repeats the success that, that, that he had in 2017, I will be astounded. I would be absolutely astounded. I
3: thought you were going to go a little more bold. I thought you were going to say like, I'll light my leg on fire.
2: No, no, I, I'll i just or, be surprised. I think I think the Vikings made the right call here. I, I like what he can do, and, and he, he has attributes that Cousins does not have that I think— are a good thing, but that being said, I think the Vikings' prognostication of regression for Keenum's accurate.
3: Yeah, I do too, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, nothing wrong with just a career having a guy, guy has a good season, we'll see what happens. Uh, Chris Singleton will join us to talk some baseball, talk some twins, maybe some trade deadline stuff here when we come back. Matthew Collar will join for a couple segments in the noon. It is Game Show Friday, so at some point we're going to give away prizes. When you hear Game Show music, just... Have the number written down in the next 90 minutes or so. 651-646-8255 and 877-615-1500. Mackie and
0: Judd, don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Play ball. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now. Down. With former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton,
4: even though you got a good arm as an outfielder, the one two, not that easy to just hit ninety. Will Myers just hit
0: one into the pool, and I almost called it. I was watching. The <laughs> I was game. like, "What is he?" Was just, <laughs> Justin <laughs> and I were looking <laughs> yeah, at each other like, was, "What did?"
4: I looked at the field. Yeah, there, there was no pitch. <laughs> I was Will Myers just hit
0: one. <laughs>
3: what happened, Chris Singleton?
4: <laughs> that was uh. An overzealous play-by-play guy that was trying to watch a uh, fifteen, sixteen-inning game of the Diamondbacks, where Jeff Mathis is pitching, and um, yeah, you know, you have a little downtime in between pitches, and uh, whether it's checking the Twitter feed, whether it's pulling up the At Bat app and uh, seeing what's going on around the league, that's what happened to my partner. You know, the, that was the, hilarious. The only thing that would have made
3: that more hilarious is if you were watching World Cup instead. Yeah!
4: and just breaks into goal scoring mode (laughs) yeah that would that would have been great i i mean i tell you what it was you know there there are things that happen during a broadcast where at times where you might be distracted you don't hear exactly what your partner said so let's say if uh he says like a mike trout you know what great game yesterday five for five right and you just happen to be looking at something else or the producer was talking in your ear about something. And then 30, 45 seconds later, you, you say, yeah, you know, Mike Trout five for five yesterday (laughs) or whatever. And he just looks at you. Like I just said that, you know, so those (laughs) things will happen. you have these little distractions, but I'm sitting there and I'm talking. And, uh, again, I thought, wait a minute, like, the one, two. I'm looking at him, right? We're we're. You know, there are times you look at the field. There are times you're looking at the field, and there are times you're looking at each other. So, you know, a pitch is delivered. You know, I got a little bit of time to take my eyes off the field and look at my partner, and talk to him. Yeah. So I'm looking at him talking to him, and he starts to call the pitch, and I kind of freak real quick and look at the field, and I'm like, the ball boys bringing balls out. Like, there's nothing happening. What is he talking about? I look at my producer. He's like, you're in the headlights too. Like, what is? What's he talking about? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it was hilarious. It was, it was a classic. We'll never forget that one. But it's a little harder than people think. Even though you got a good arm as an outfielder, the one two,
0: <laughs>
4: not that easy to just like, hit uh, ninety.
0: The- Will Myers yeah. just hit one into the
1: pool, and I almost
2: the part I love, Chris, <laughs> is you can in your in your voice a- after uh, John calls that pitch, y- you can you can hear your look like. I'm going to keep talking because I have no idea what just happened. I mean, you can hear that look in, in what you're saying.
4: Yeah, no, you, you nailed it because I'm like not that easy to, and I'm trying to like get, I'm trying to continue my thought, but also like process what's going on right now. And uh, yeah, it's great. Um, we, Needless to say, we have a pretty good time on the air. Um, our broadcast partner and I and our producer, we're like three amigos, man. And uh, it's a long year, but. Uh, we really love each other. We really enjoy working with each other. And we like, you know, being able to laugh at ourselves and, and laugh with each other um, and not so much at each other. Yeah.
3: Chris Singleton is our Friday guest. We talk Twins. We talk baseball. Uh, we led our show a few hours ago today talking about, well, we started talking about Kyle Gibson and, and he had another great performance for the Twins last night and he's having a career season. And that kind of led into the benefit of, of And I'm not even going to use the word analytics, Chris. I'm going to say modern scouting. The benefit of modern scouting and collecting data points on hitters and being and being able to, to really attack with a lot more information. And I don't think it's a coincidence that for the Twins, Kyle Gibson, 30 years old, he was a former first-round pick, struggling for multiple years. New front office comes in, hires a bunch more modern scouting people and processes and tactics, and he's having an he, amazing season. Justin Verlander. Career ERA, three and a half as a Tiger, Uh, borderline Hall of Famer with Tigers, goes to the Astros, and he is godlike over the past 12 months with the Astros. ERA below two, 18 and five record, including the postseason. Uh, It's like you're, if teams do it right, it feels like you can give cheat codes to already incredible athletes and pitchers. And I'm wondering, just like from your conversations, what the role of new. Modern forms of scouting plays in some of these guys' success.
4: Well, that's a great conversation to have, and can go you know on and on. I'll I'll tell you this that the Astros are so good at it that people try to hack their systems um, to get their information, um, and their passwords, i.e. the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, that situation. But yeah. here's what here's what is a great inside story I'll share with you guys last year. You know, obviously Verlander came over, you know, beginning of September and we were there doing games towards the end of the year and into the playoffs, um the Astros all the way through. But talking to AJ Hinch, um in his office before game, just asking, Hey, what was it like getting, you know, Justin <laughs> Verlander? Here's a guy that's had a great career. Um he's a veteran player he's he, he knows what he's doing you guys obviously have a lot of information and what was that conversation like when you when you got him i mean he said when they got justin he came over and said hey listen we're glad to have you we're happy to have you thrilled to have you um, you're a, you're a great pitcher we think we can make you better and we were like whoa like you just that's like Clayton Kershaw hey you're good we think you're great we think we can make you better and uh, they started giving Verlander the information. And he said over a short amount of time, the information that they were presenting to him, there was almost this attitude of Verlander being ticked off. And not ticked off at the Astros, but ticked off at the fact that all of his years as a Tiger, he never had access to this type of information and how he could have been that much better had he had this the these numbers and these metrics and these measurements that the Astros have. And it's almost like a, I mean, you know, CIA type of uh thing. It, it seems like to be inside what the Astros do, we, we hear some of the things that they do, but it just seems like there's so much more, um, you know, behind the veil in terms of information and what they, they're able to disseminate and what they're able to get to their players in a digestible way. So um yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty powerful. That might be the extreme at the top, but just on an on an average level, the biggest thing would be the shift. I mean, just from the analytics there, beyond just what a picture of his usage and what what pitches he's using. We've seen a lot of guys spinning the ball a lot more. But let's just say the shift. I mean, and there's a great article as well. I think Jerry Krasnick wrote on ESPN talking to, to three hitters about the shift. And uh, if you haven't read that, I would definitely recommend it. But Daniel Murphy's. Uh, explanation is like really intelligent as to the game and you know what's going on and how you score and what needs to happen but you know those are those are measurements those are analytics that teams have used and pitchers are using now to their advantage where in the beginning they weren't really excited about the shifts but now over time just like everything i think they're, they're realizing how impactful they've been
2: chris if I, I was to make you czar of baseball for a day when it comes to all-star game rosters, what would you change or fix? Because, you know, if every year we get this, and I know the system has now been changed again uh, to where the fan vote picks your starters, but there's a player vote and there is also um, other components. But when you look at guys like Rosario and I guess Snell is the biggest one this year, what would you do uh, to try and rectify things to get the all-star game rosters as fair as possible?
4: That's, that's a tough question. Um it's, there's never going to be, you know, there's always going to be someone that, that feels like, Hey, they've been slighted um, when you have this. And and obviously I know the twins fans and, and really, you know, more baseball fans, you know, look at at players like Rosario and like, yeah, that guy's an all-star for me. The all-star thing is it's a great exhibition and it's cool and it's fun, but what is it really based off of other than, sort of a, a perennial guy that's a star that's you know even if he's not having a great year he's considered an all-star the fans want to see him there but for a lot of other guys it's man it's two and a half months of performance three and a half months of performance and you can look sometimes at, at the end of the year they're like if you took away the as from their their statistics line on that year on baseball reference and you looked at their numbers you're not saying all-star you're just saying oh, okay it was all right year maybe pretty good So perhaps the silver slugger type of thing is, uh, is really more, you know, honorable, I think, you know, in those types of awards than just beyond being an all-star because again, it's more of a, an exhibition and a popularity type of thing. And it's, it's never going to be, you know, this perfect science where the right people are there and you'll go to every team. And I, you know, I'm, in all over the place, and you're always going to talk to coaches and people that they see their guy as, how is this guy not an all-star? You know, and they'll, they'll present a great case, and there are a lot of teams that can do that for their guys. It's just there's no perfect sort of judge or system in place to get, you know, the deserving people there um, 100%. Uh,
3: we had, so, so the St. Saint Paul Saints uh, play in town here at CHS Field, and uh, Rafael Palmero came through on a road trip and uh, generated you know, a bunch of media buzz. Comes back to a major league town. Fifty three years old on the indie trail, trying to make a comeback. What do you make of that? I don't. I don't think you guys played together in Baltimore. Did you? Did you guys miss each other? No.
4: No. He was before me. Okay. i how to gets Raffy a long time. Um, sweet swinging Raffy man. He. Uh, in fact, one year, I asked him towards the end of the year. I, I said, Hey, you know, is there any way I can get some tapes? You know, some of your positive tapes. I just would like to kind of study your swing and and everything and he was very gracious, had their video guy uh send me some stuff and you know, obviously great player, but what I look at is um you know, a guy that's you know fifty three that's trying to make some type of comeback. I mean, obviously an individual that uh has had a very difficult time um letting go and and moving on, you know, with life and especially the way that it ended for him, as much as he loved baseball, as much as it was his life to be, you know, sort of, uh, you know, banished, if you will, um, in terms of public opinion, um, for him, it's uh, it's probably very difficult, and and I think it's obvious that it is. Uh, so that's what I make of it. Uh, I mean, there's like, well, I mean, there, I don't even know if there's anything registered on the probability or possibility of him ever, you know, getting back to. You know, professional baseball, Major League Baseball. It's just, it's not going to happen. But you just hope an individual like that. As you hear, I mean, guys retire, and it can be tough. There are guys that go through depression, they go through different things in the transition, and don't always find what's my purpose now. Who am I besides the name that's on the back of my jersey? And how do I really, you know, develop that sense of worth and purpose and everything else? And so, you know, for me, if I were someone asked me, I would probably, you know, categorize it in that way.
2: Chris, why do you think that more of that group of steroid guys ha- haven't attempted to uh, seek f- forgiveness from people? Because it seems to me, our s- society today, we love it when people say, you know what, I screwed up. I screwed up. I shouldn't have done it. I did it. And, and you know, I own that. But it seems like the vast majority of that group, Palmero, uh, Bonds, go down that that list. The majority of them have been defiant, and I don't think defiance works. I, I think we hold a grudge against you if you're defiant. Do, do you have a theory on why m- more of these guys didn't just step uh, forward at some point within, let's say, even the last five years and own it?
4: I think it's going to vary from, you know, each individual in terms of their, per- their personality, what their assessment of is, uh, of the fallout of it. Um, do I hold on to my numbers? without a a definitive answer as to whether I did it or not, you know, um, to hold on to those numbers? Or do I come clean, perhaps, put it all out there and then face the criticism of, hey, you were half that guy or you were this, you know? And and most guys are going to feel like, the performance-enhancing stuff didn't help them a ton. They're like, oh, it helped a little bit. So if you're a guy that hit 500 home runs, you know, you're probably still thinking you hit, you know, you were going to hit 450 or 4. You know, it's it's which is still extremely, you know, respectable and everything else. But I think it it really varies from each individual. And um, yeah, I mean, and it depends on the personality. Well, you know, with Bonds, you know, Bonds. I still see him as like, wow, this guy was the greatest player I've ever seen and played against or anything like that. And But Bonds' personality isn't an endearing type of, of personality, and he's just not that type of guy. And uh, I don't know that he cares. I think he cares, but I don't know that he cares so much to perhaps even humble himself and maybe admit to more if there is more. Um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's not, not an easy answer. And, and it, I wouldn't want, I'm just fortunate. I'm, I'm thankful, you know, on this side of it, that that wasn't my path and, and I can kind of live freely now. And and I kind of feel bad for some of those guys because, you know, awkward moments can come up. You can even be, you know, in broadcasting and you know, have that in your background or, or it be confirmed that it was in your background. And, you know, every time something comes up, somebody gets popped or this goes down, it's, it's an uncomfortable time um, for you to be on the air or, you know, be out there. So uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, um, but I don't have a definitive answer on that for any guy or every guy on how they could approach it or should approach it.
3: I know G- Gabe Kapler wrote a story on, on Baseball Prospectus's website a number of years ago, uh, kind of chronicling a moment with him and his wife sitting in the kitchen, kind of realizing, man, if, if I don't start doing steroids, and he said he wound up not doing it, but they had, they had this conversation very logically about if I don't take steroids, am I not a major league player anymore? And like, let's discuss the pros and the cons here. Did you ever have any moments like that for you in your career? I mean, did you ever sit there and think, "My God, some of these guys are putting up insane numbers. Um, it's not fair. What should I do?"
4: No, I, I don't think I was ever really on a team where, let's say that the that culture or that subculture was strong enough. I mean, I think Kapler was on a team like the Texas Rangers where, hey, there was. There was uh, a lot, a lot of rumors there. I mean, just think of some of the players that were, you know, in uniform during that time, um, and he was there. So that would probably be a lot more tempting. Um, I only had one team that, you know, I was when I was played for Baltimore. That was the first time I think that I really actually saw it and uh you know, knew it is there. In fact, I mean one of my teammates, David Segee, who was, you know, he's open about it. David was the most real and upfront guy. Um didn't hide anything, and uh, I didn't really know much about it. I think, you know, there's probably another teammate or two that, but it was one of those things where you didn't really get into it unless you were kind of maybe in that click. Um, I always felt from a competitive nature that I don't care what you're doing, I'm still going to find a way to beat you or be better than you or be a little faster than you. That was just my attitude and my mindset. There was one time where it really kind of, kind of made me upset in terms of angry is when we were playing the Dodgers and I was with the Orioles or playing the Dodgers. It's bottom of the ninth inning. We're down by a run or two. I'm facing a pitcher who's throwing almost, you know, a hundred miles an hour, or whatever. And I'm fouling pitches straight back, right to the net, right to the net, which means you're right on this guy. You're about to get him. So I end up flying out to left games over. We lose the game. And, uh, I come in and I'm sitting in front of my locker. and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I know, or I, I feel strong, this guy's cheating, and if this guy's not cheating, and you take a few miles per hour off of his fastball, I send us all home happy, and this really helps me as well as you're building a season for arbitration and everything else, so where I got frustrated and, and a little anger is that like, this guy's taking money out of my pocket and food off of my table. and. um that's when it's. That's when it twisted a little bit for me, and I got a little more because uh, I didn't. I didn't think pitchers were doing it. I just thought position players were doing it. I just thought it was, hey, be stronger, hit home runs, be maybe be a little faster. I didn't see how that would play into pitchers using it, and and so I guess I was a little naive there. But when it hit me that day, that's when it kind of changed a little bit, and uh, it became a little more personal to me in terms of the offense.
2: I, I bet I can guess that pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he was yeah, closing well, for the Dodgers and wore goggles and was from Canada.
4: <laughs> oh, no comment. <laughs> but I'll stop <laughs> okay, right there. Yeah.
3: And on that note, <laughs> great stuff. Chris Singleton we will catch Chris. up next week, man. See ya. All right, guys. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Chris
0: Singleton from ESPN <laughs> Radio. It's not too hard to figure out. <laughs> Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. It's
1: one of the funniest things that ever happened in sports.
0: Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
1: An event
0: that's all about
1: bacon and beer. It's happening. The Bacon and Beer Classic takes over CHS Field tomorrow. You can still get your tickets. 100-plus beers, 30-plus bacon dishes music, baking, uh, bacon eating contest and more. You can go VIP for early admission and event special beer and the donut wall. Plus, while you're there, look for 1500ESPN for your chance to win prizes. More details at 1500espn.com keyword events.
3: Here's my one
1: thing about the
3: steroids and and having some Empathy and sympathy for the guys who took steroids. Like that was great stuff from Chris Singleton, by the way. Just open about the era and talking about um, certain Dodgers closers
2: who had lots of saves.
3: Yeah, he did tell that anecdote a little earlier in the season too. I think he even alluded to this guy. Yeah, Eric Gagne was the guy. But um, Gabe Kapler has talked openly about this, and Chris Singleton has said. and I believe Chris Singleton. You know, when he says he wasn't a steroid guy, he has no reason to like. He doesn't seem like he's lying. Doesn't have any reason to lie. His numbers don't look like he was on steroids. But imagine looking around the league, or around certain clubhouses, and you're kind of a fringe major leaguer at a certain point. Maybe you're 30 years old and you're looking around, and there's a there's a bunch of just jacked up Miguel Tejadas and Brett Butler or Brett Butler, uh, Brett Boone types. (laughs) Brett Butler was a was a base dealer for the Dodgers, I believe, in the early. Yes, he was in Cleveland. Wouldn't that be a tough decision, though? I I think so many people from their couches can say, "I would never." Can you believe that this player cheated? Okay, let's put you in a scenario: your career is over if you don't take steroids. But if you do take steroids, you can make a few million dollars more and play for another four to five years. Yeah. Well, look at what would you do, and your family is sitting there. Oh, I take rights. Look, look at the look at the mid
2: '90s and the amount of good players who didn't hit for power who all of a sudden hit forty-five home runs. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And Bonds, so Bonds, my understanding is that his deal was he, he was a Hall of Fame player. He was fantastic. But now he sees Sosa and Maguire and these guys, and they start to look like cartoon characters and hit all, all these home runs and Canseco. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, if I want to keep up among the best in the game, I've got to to do it too. So everybody, it sounds like everybody started to do it, not just to stick around, but also to say, well, if I want to be on the cover of SI and in the same conversation as Mark McGuire and Canseco at one point there and Sosa, I've got to start to juice. But at that era, that time, with no checks and balances whatsoever, yeah. and no, and unless you were caught by by the federal government, which wasn't going to happen, you would do it. Of course, you would.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're we're so quick to assign, you know, moral police. Uh, labels and right and wrong and good and bad and if you strip away labels and it's just do you want to continue making a lot of money doing something that you love or are you okay giving it up if your sport i fault baseball
2: because if your sport is going to say oh this is fantastic home runs are popular and all these guys these second basemen now are are hitting pop-ups that are going out i fault baseball baseball spent a good 10 year plus period turning a blind eye on purpose and then when they got caught, when, when it became a big deal, then they came the, the morality mm. police completely. Yeah, but I think if you want to trace this to a person or an office, and, and the problem, Bud Selig, it's it's the fallout of the '94 strike, right? Because the 94 strike comes along, wipes out the World Series, baseball is done. In 95, they come back and play a shortened year, and people are PO'd. Fans are mad. Fans don't turn out. And baseball had a major problem. And all of a sudden, guys start to look like cartoon characters.
3: Well, guys were starting to look like cartoon characters several years before that. It's just that no, it got, the home, the, it got Mark Wire was like flirting with the home run record. But it got it
2: worse and worse and, and worse. But the point being is baseball said, this is fantastic.
3: Yeah, I mean, like Lenny Dykstra is the ultimate cartoon character. Go look at Lenny Dykstra when he was a rookie, and he's very open about yeah, he doesn't steroid care. use and stuff. And then go look at Lenny Go look at Lenny Dykstra in like 1990, 91, 92. Go look at his numbers, his on-base percentage, the home runs, his physique. I just it's think... It's ridiculous. I, I think circa 96 or so, players began to say, if if I, I want to
2: remain relevant and in the conversation, I need to use. And they essentially said, okay, what, what's the downside? Well, I might die when I'm 60. If you're 22, you don't care. Yeah.
3: So, yeah. All right, Matthew Collar is going to come in here next. And he... Have you have you provided your football your quarterback rankings too? Are you going to bring quarterback rankings? All right, I think he's going to do it off the top
0: of his head. I don't even know. No, if he's, I, he's got. There's no way. 32. He's got him. He's got him <laughs> written down. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. On fifteen hundred ESPN.
3: <laughs>